0: Well, good morning everybody, happy Thanksgiving, I've got my Thanksgiving jacket on, and this is my Christmas Eve jacket as well, so if you come back on Christmas Eve, you'll see this as well, and uh, I have one jacket, this is it, you are welcome. Um, If you have your Bibles, please turn to uh, Philippians chapter 1, and uh, I'm going to pray and then we're going to read that scripture together, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, and then we'll jump in. Dear God, I thank you that we can gather today on this beautiful day and thank and praise you for all the good things you give us. Lord, I want to thank you this morning for your gospel, your good news, the reason that we have church. And Lord, I am not ashamed of that gospel. It is your power unto salvation. And we praise you and bless you for that, Lord. Lord, speak to us this morning. Make your word clear to us, encourage us, challenge us. Lord, I pray that every person here today will leave changed, because Holy Spirit, you have spoken to them and moved in them in your good and precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's read this scripture together. Um, There's a couple of verses that I've highlighted in it, and then we're going to come back to it throughout the sermon. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Verse 11, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise. There's a word there that I want us to camp out a little bit on this morning and it's the word completion in verse 6 that you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ that God has started a good work in us as Christians. I would say that uh, without hesitation and complete confidence that every person in this room wants to see some completion, some change in some area of your life whether it be a situation at work or a situation at home, Perhaps it's a sickness you have in, in your family or in your own life, that there's a there's something you want different. We have this built-in sense of true north, if you like, that we know that things aren't complete, that they're not quite where they should be, and we strive for this completion. Perhaps it's a, a situation in your marriage, or in your relationships, maybe your children, that you just know that, that you would like to see some change. And what we do is we start searching for the reason why this is happening in our lives and then we start looking for the what needs to change. What is it that practically needs to change and why is this happening to us? I read a story uh, a couple of days ago about a group of tourists that were traveling around Iceland on a, on a tour bus, and, uh, and this was in the independent newspaper, you can check this out because the story is so crazy to me that I'm immediately suspicious as to whether or not it's true, because uh, crazy as it sounds, not everything on the internet is true, um, according to Abraham Lincoln. But... Uh, This was in the independent, it's a British newspaper, it must be right, just like the BBC, right Phil? Yes. So this group of tourists were on a bus and they were going to a new part in Iceland and they stopped and before they went, uh, to explore this volcanic region. And as you know, Iceland is beautiful and, and, and before they, they went and explored this new region, one particular lady took advantage of the few moments that they had to go and freshen up, get changed and, uh, and just kind of, I guess, just feel a little bit better after the long journey. Now, I don't know what kind of mess she was in after that long journey, but after she returned back to the bus, nobody recognized her and thought that the original lady had gone, had gone missing. And so they started a search party looking for this lady who was actually back but they just didn't recognize her Now I don't know what kind of mess you need to be in that a bit of a freshening up ladies just suddenly changes your complete appearance but they started a search party looking for this lady but it doesn't actually stop there the lady herself didn't recognize her own description and starts looking for herself <laughs> 12 hours later at 3 a.m. in the morning she started to dawn on her, "Man, is this me?" And she, she let herself be known to the, to the authorities, and they realized that, yes, in fact, for the last 12 hours, it was you that we were looking for, and thank you for helping us look for you. And why didn't you recognize your own description? You see, it's a, it's a funny story, but in many ways, it's a good reflection of what we do in the times of challenge, is we look out there. For the answer, we look out there for where the change needs to happen, while all the time what we're actually looking for is, is in here, that this needs to change. Imagine you have a, maybe this isn't too far from your imagination, maybe there's a challenge at work. Maybe a colleague is making life incredibly difficult for you, that your heart sinks every time you think about going into work. You slowly start to hate your work, you find it despairing and you're constantly examining and, and, and investigating and looking for what needs to be different, what needs to change and it occupies your thoughts and you start spinning on it and then it, it starts consuming you. And suddenly we've given control over to the situation. Our emotions and our, our responses and our reactions are controlled by the situation. And we start thinking things like this. If only this person would leave. If only my boss would make a change. If only they would stop acting that way. And we start getting consumed with the if-onlys in life. And you can change that situation to any number of different challenges that we all face maybe it's a difficult child at home if only they would make a different decision if only they would stop hanging out with that group of people if only they would get it maybe it's a, a sickness in your life if, if only this would change if only that would work and and we get consumed with these if onlys and they invade our thinking if only i had more money if only i could get out of the city if only my wife would be more patient if only my husband would be more attentive And we look, just like that lady in Iceland, we're looking for the answer while all the time we're missing the actual answer. We examine our lives and determine what needs to change and then imagine the difference in our mind's eye and we think, if only this was different. The challenge with that kind of thinking is that oftentimes, more often than not, we actually have no control of the circumstance and challenge. And so it dictates our life. And our view of what needs to change is actually skewed often by our own personal challenges and issues. And maybe we do come to the conclusion that the problem is at us, after all. You know, as the old saying, I say it often, wherever you go, there you are. You can't escape yourself. You you have those difficulties and challenges and those issues. And and it seems to ring true, these habits or compulsions that just seem to drive us. And maybe you come to that conclusion that the problem is, in fact, inside of you. So what do we do then? We go about fixing ourselves. We try and get skills and strategies and tools, new ways of thinking that, that maybe will help us Only to find that they are temporary fixes because when a new challenge comes, wherever we go, there we are. The change actually hasn't actually happened. Because the core issues haven't changed. In the spring I went through a, a time where I had every opportunity to blame everything I could set my eyes upon for some of the challenges that I was going through on a personal level. I got very sick and, and I needed to withdraw and in times of, of despair I was very quick to go well, you know well if, if only that would be different if only that would change if only this person would do that and slowly over months God in his great wisdom slowly spoke to me through good counsel and his word and books where I realized that, that quickly the fingers started pointing back at me that I needed to change so being a fixer I tried to fix myself only to realize that core things needed to change. That I needed to bring them to the cross of Christ. And here's what I realized. God doesn't work at changing our circumstances or giving us new strategies. That's not his priority. His priority is to rescue us from ourselves. His priority is to change us. See, as a church, we're about transformation. I read the Bible. The Bible is about change. Jesus came to earth on a mission to bring change, new life, transformation to humankind. We need to be about change. We need to recognize that we shouldn't just pay lip service to the idea of being different. That's what God calls us to be. And that's God's aim. That's God's purpose, that's his story of your life, that's his plan. It's not to change the circumstances, it's not to give us new strategies to be able to cope with the circumstances, it's to change us in the circumstances. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 15, it says, he, Jesus, died for all that those, and take note of this, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for Him. God's plan for your life is that we should live for him, not for ourselves. That we're not focusing on us being the answer to our problems, but we, we're const- constantly drawn to the possibility, to the fact that he is the answer to our problems. That we should change, that we no longer live for ourselves, but we love for him. Total and complete, from the core, change. No need for tools and strategies, as good as they are, but those layered on the fact that your heart is actually different, your core is actually different, you are changed. And as I went through this process over a few months, I realized that he will do anything and use anything to fulfill his story and plan in your life, even if it is desperately hard. You see that circumstance that may be as challenging in your life. And friends, if you if you can take note of what I'm about to say over the next few minutes, I I truly believe it will bring you freedom and understanding in a way that will build a foundation so you can actually have a transformation in your life. That if we can look at every circumstance in our life through this lens, it will bring freedom. And, and so here, here's the lens. That, that circumstance in your life is there for one reason. It's there to highlight what needs to change in you. So maybe instead of us saying, if only this would change, maybe that is there that we can turn our attention upon ourselves and by God's grace see what needs to be changed in us, that that circumstance highlights the change that needs to happen in us. What a difference it would make if we could look at every circumstance through the possibility that it's there because God is using it to make us more like Jesus by highlighting what needs to change. One of my favorite quotes, I joked last night that somehow it would be good to have a tattoo of this, but then maybe that's not a good thing to, to do because it's quite a long quote. Um, it's, from, it's from Spurgeon. Remember this, had any other condition been better for you than the, one, uh, than the one in which you are, divine love would have put you there. I messed it up, let me say it again. Remember this, had any other condition been better for you than the one in which you are, divine love would have put you there. That is Bible. It's not in the Bible, but it sums up God's plan for us. That if we really believe that God truly loves us, then that circumstance and challenge that we are facing right now is there because He loves us. Now, the implications of that are are deep, problematic, even. Because some of us are struggling with things that we could easily say, hang on. That doesn't seem to be what God wants in the Bible. It says we should pray for health and healing. So how can it be that divine love would put me there? Can, can you see the tension? A few weeks ago, I was, uh, I was taking a walk late at night. Something had happened in our family that, was, that uh, if, in all honesty, had really uh, uh, brought a big shock to us and, and was reeling. And, and I was feeling pretty low. I was feeling pretty... Like Lord, what, what is the answer here? And so I went for a walk. It was late. It was a beautiful night. The skies were just black with the with the stars. It was just stunning. And I was walking and I was praying. And and I'm sure many of you have been in the place where you've fulfilled that scripture where it says your groanings are enough. It's that's all you can All you can do is just cry out and groan. And I was praying and as I was walking and and I stopped and I looked up and I I remember saying to God, I said, Lord, I have a big question and I I don't want to ask the question because I'm afraid of the silence. Because there's been times when I have asked God a question and his answer is actually silence. And I stopped and I looked up and I said, Lord, why? Why is this happening? After everything why, why now? Why is this happening? I was so confused. And I felt so clearly what he said to me. And it rocked me. He said this, Glenn, this is my very best for you. This is my very best for you. How, Lord, can it be your best when it is so painful and seems to be so wrong? And if I take myself out of the statement and look back at it from an impartial way, what it tells me is, is that God's plan, his best, is different from what I think is best. His best is all about me becoming more like Jesus. His best is all about me being transformed. Because I truly believe that we don't really know Jesus at all until we come to the place when we recognize that Jesus is all we have. When you get to that place when there is no other option but Jesus, it's at that moment that we grow in revelation of who Jesus is. This is my very best for you, Glenn, because God's success is me being transformed and becoming more like his son. That's what he promises. That's his definition of success. And my continual realization of God's dream over my life makes me grow in him. And God will use anything at all to bring that about, even sin, even things that are difficult, even things that are challenging. See, there's a beautiful scripture It says, and we've used this as a grenade in people's lives, right? You know, somebody's going through something difficult, and we come, and we have that kind of slightly pious look in our face, and, you know, I'm so spiritual, I'm kind of squinty, and, and we come over and go, you know... All things work together for good. You're welcome. And you're like, well, let's see whether this works together for good for you. You know? Like, it, but you know what? All things work together for good. For those who love God and are called by His purpose. That I don't know what you're going through this morning. And maybe it's a deep challenge that causes you to despair. We don't really know him until we realize that's all we have. That's God's success for you. And there's many times he brings healing and health and change to circumstances and challenges. And that too is all part of his plan for you to become more like Jesus. Not to make our lives happier, but to make us more like Jesus. And friends, if we truly lived with that banner over our lives, that this too is part of his plan, I don't understand. I don't know how it's going to work out. But I know that the end goal is clear, that the scripture says so. So we can fight for that. We can captivate our thoughts. Now, so. Suddenly then, the situation we find ourselves in, we have hope. See, that thinking brings actual and effective change today. You can leave with that thinking and place it onto that situation and go, this too, this is God's best for me, because if it wasn't, it would be Something else. So if we truly believe that God is the Alpha and the Omega, that he knows the beginning to the end, that he is in control of everything, because that's what the Bible says, then we must also believe that what we are facing is also part of his story for you. What a way to live. That's why Paul could say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What do you do to a guy like that? Do this, it's all part of God's story. Do that, all part of God's story. Kill me, all part of God's story. Come on, bring it on. Because in Philippians, he's actually sat in a jail saying, God will finish the job that he has started and he will complete you. Wow. You know that kind of revelation and thinking is for you as much as it is for Paul. God has no favorites. That's for you today. That's for me today. In 2 Peter 1 and verse 4, it says that you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. That we can actually be partakers, that we can have a divine nature, that those sinful desires will get highlighted through the challenge. We bring them to Jesus. We plead for forgiveness. We see the cross through them divine nature is ignited real and effective, practical change that replaces and changes your heart. So now my decisions and my emotions and my responses can come in alignment with him. A scripture we read at the beginning in Philippians chapter 1, if we could have that up again. Paul stresses to us in verse 6 that you will be complete. His whole emphasis is Jesus Christ. He, Jesus Christ, will do a good work in you and will bring it to completion. That you will be complete. Through whom? Through Jesus Christ. The, uh, the day of Jesus Christ, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. It's all about Jesus. Because, friends, if you're here, For the first time, and maybe you're just exploring this whole Christianity thing, let me say, for thousands of years, tools and strategies have failed to bring actual change to our communities and lives. We only need to look at recent happenings and the world news to see that they don't work. Where Paul says, I have no confidence in mankind, I have confidence in Jesus. Jesus. He is the one. He places all his confidence in Jesus and says, listen, God is at work even when you don't see it. Think about that difficult child you have at home. That grandchild who is so far from God, maybe addicted, destroying their lives. See, we can gain encouragement now because this too is part of God's story. The scripture I quoted in my prayer, for the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. We can be confident that God knows what he is doing and we can relax into that. Do we pray? Absolutely. But we can gain encouragement so that we can get through this as you struggle with your parenting. This is God's best for you. This will make you more like Jesus. As you ask big questions in the middle of profound sickness, this is God's best for you right now because it's making you more like Jesus. Is the sickness evil and wrong? Absolutely. But if we take God out of the equation, does it make things better? But we place God into the equation as we plead for health and healing and wholeness. Then we have hope, we have confidence that this too will make us more like Jesus. As we work through our financial challenges, as you, as you have success and blessing, which in itself can be a challenge, then this too can be God's best for you. And in verse 11, you say, filled with the fruit of righteousness that slowly... And it is a process, it is a journey. The fruit of Jesus, the fruit of righteousness starts getting shown into our lives. Now we start responding like Jesus. So life becomes more than just if only and tools and strategies. It actually becomes effective change that we're starting to be different, speak different, react different. You see, faith in Jesus promises the start of real life change. Jesus willingly, the Son of God, willingly gave his life hanging on a cross. The Bible says the most shameful way to die. Even history says that. The word crucifixion comes from the, that's where we get our word excruciating from. The Romans perfected this way of, of death from the Persians. They wanted not only to kill you, they wanted to shame you, to destroy your life. And Jesus willingly went through that despicable death. And the Bible says, for the joy that was set before him. Do you know what the joy was? You and I being different. You and I being changed. That our sin was placed upon him, those things that we struggle with, those things that we find hard, those issues that we just can't fix, get placed on the cross with him, and as he dies, they die with him. This is the promise. This is the good news. But he doesn't end there, because he says, look, now you get new life. This righteousness becomes yours. His life, as he rose from the dead, is imparted, is imputed onto us So we can live in right standing, righteousness, right standing with God and all the benefits that come with that. So in the middle of the challenge, those benefits, those fruit become known. So now suddenly the fruit of the Spirit becomes so much more than something we we put on our walls at home or we've got a scripture on a mug, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. It, It actually becomes part of our lives. And God will use anything for that to come about. And those of you who have been around long enough know it's in the times of challenge and difficulty when those shine the brightest. When we come to the end of ourselves. And our only way forward is Jesus. Because Jesus, if you don't do something, I'm ruined. You see, it changes our life meaning. It changes our focus and our hope and our freedom. It's everything that this communion is about that Phil is going to lead us in in just a minute. It's all about transformation and change. And friends, it can be yours this morning. If you're not a Christian, this can be yours. This is God's gift for you this morning. Why leave without saying yes? And if you're a Christian then this the gift for you this morning on this Thanksgiving day that we can be thankful for is that we can look at life through the lens of this too, somehow will be God's best for me. Isn't that good? Glenn, you don't understand how hard this is. You know, you're right. I don't understand intimately everything that you're going through, but I do understand a tiny bit about my God. And I know he loves you, I know he has a plan for you. His plan is to make you more like his son. He loves you that much. He accepted you. He adopted you into his family. And not just leaving you there, but gave you everything you need that pertains to life and godliness and says, look at life through that lens. I'd like you to spend some time, maybe even as we're taking communion in a second, certainly this week, is just to think about what is it that is gripping your mind this morning? What is it that you're spinning on? What is it that's challenging? Are you caught up in the if-onlys this would change? And maybe in the quietness of your heart as you're journaling or maybe just as you're taking communion, you say, Lord, what is this showing me about myself? Holy Spirit, speak to me. The, the scripture about communion actually says, examine yourselves. What, what is it you want me to know about myself? Is it a sinful desire? Is it something you need to bring to the cross? And then we can thank him that God has a plan over our lives. And this too will work out for good. And this is his very, very best for you. That's good news. Grab it. Take hold of it. Pray it into your life. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I, I thank you for your word. Lord, I, I have to be honest, your word rocks us. It, it challenges us. Because, Lord, I want circumstances and challenges to change. Lord, I pray that we would all have a revelation of heart that our dream would align with your dream for us, to become like Jesus. That Lord, I pray that hope would fill this room. That Lord that our attention would be turned upon you and what you want for us. Jesus, I thank you that the death on the cross, your death, Lord is a is a gift to us. That we might be different. That we might be changed. That we might become like you. Holy Spirit, I pray that as we go into communion and Phil leads us in that way that, Lord, you would continue to speak to us. Sweet Jesus, we love you. We're thankful on this Thanksgiving day for you, Jesus. Amen.